Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. We are in Romans chapter 7, and I can promise you that today's Word from God's Word is relevant to your situation. You and I live in a world and we have a, we have a struggle. And if you don't have a struggle, God has placed you in somebody's life to help them with their struggle. You might have had struggles when you were younger and you might find yourself, you might find, it's a song, isn't it? You might find yourself, it's been a long time since I heard that. I heard that song at the Narrow one time. Um, Does anybody even know what I'm talking about? The guy that wore the big suit, he came out there and sung that song. That was really funny. Uh, But when we grow and God works in our life and we, we achieve a certain level of maturity by the grace of God, we're not through. God has placed us here, and we are in a position to help and encourage other people. I was a handful in junior high. I was an absolute handful, and God placed me as a teacher in the classroom. And several times I can look at those young, young men, because it's mostly young, little boys. It's mostly the boys, although there are occasionally a few young ladies that misbehave, but for the most part... Guys, we we tend to be a little, amen, buddy? We were a handful in junior high and high school. Amen, Sammy? (laughs) See, we know. We just kind of look at each other and we, we think, oh, yeah, I bet you were a handful too. So we have a tremendous amount of love and patience. So when we see a young man struggling and, and making mistakes, and you know, we, we want to encourage them. And, and God is our Heavenly Father. You know, He wants to encourage us. And Jesus, as the, the Son of God, teaching the disciples, shepherding the disciples, seeing their struggles, there's that desire to help and to encourage so how are you doing in your struggle to follow and obey Christ? And it's either a struggle that you have or it's a struggle that you have in seeing other people struggle to follow and obey Christ and reach their goals. I've talked to several people in the congregation and, and many of you have a, just a burden for your children, your grandchildren, and you want to see them follow Christ. And as, you know, as we prepare today, and I prepared my heart to preach, you know, I wanted to add that, that addendum to what I'm going to say is I'm not just preaching for you in your struggle, but I am preaching to share some insight how we can actually encourage people in their struggle. Because we are surrounded by people who have to face good choices and bad choices that we make. And Paul deals with that today, and he addresses this in the uh, passage in Romans. Let's go ahead and get into the text. 
Paul says in chapter 7, verse 14, he says, We know, or Paul could say, I know that the law is spiritual. God's law, God's moral law is good, it's spiritual, it's true. And then Paul says, but I am unspiritual. And I'm sold as a slave to sin. And what he means by that is, I have some bad habits that I'm dealing with. I know that the requirements, I know that what God asked me to do is good. It's good for me. It's what I want to do. But I'm struggling with it. And Paul admits that in Romans 7. And he says, I do not understand what I do. And I tell you what, as a high school, junior high teacher, I've heard that a hundred times. I don't know why I did it. Why did you, why do we, why do we even ask that question as a teacher? Why did you hit him? I don't know why I did it. And they really don't. They're not lying. They don't know why. Because they feel like Paul, for what I want to do, I do not do. You know, a lot of times we want to walk away. We want to just let it go. We want to keep ourselves out of trouble. But we do sometimes what I hate, but what I hate, I do. We do the very thing we didn't want to do. Why did I do that? I've heard that. I don't know why I did it. Why did I do it? I wish I didn't do it. And that's how we struggle. And you're going to have children and grandchildren and friends and coworkers that are going to make mistakes, and you're going to hear about these mistakes. And this knowledge that the Word of God has given us will allow us to speak into other people's lives, words of wisdom, words of hope, words of encouragement. We'll be able to identify with people in their struggles. You know, God can encourage you in your struggle. I remember the first time I heard a pastor say, he said, you might think you're the only one struggling but you're not. And I think I was sitting there thinking, I am the only one in this room of a hundred and some people. I must be the only one that struggles, but we're not alone. This is very common, and this is the Apostle Paul talking, sharing his testimony about his struggle to live the Christian life. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good, as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. And what Paul is saying is there is a part of me as a believer, as a man having the Spirit of God living in me, there is a part of me that wants to do what is right, that despises evil, that enjoys holiness, and desires to do what is right. But then there's another part of me, there's my flesh, that gives in to temptation and feels the tug, the struggle between what is right and what is wrong. And Paul says, I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That's what Paul just admitted. You know what? I am not perfect, I have not arrived, I'm not fully mature. I'm not to the point where I don't struggle with right and wrong. I'm not above getting angry. I'm not above being jealous. I'm not above being prideful. Paul's admitting that. He said, in my sinful nature, I have the same desires as you do, the same struggles. But I have the desire to do what is good. 
But I, in myself, in my own strength, cannot carry it out. Paul says that. He says, I, in my own strength, cannot carry out all of God's moral law and requirements. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now that's very important, because Paul didn't say, every once in a while, I might make a mistake. No, Paul says, I actually have some bad habits. See, some people think that Christians don't develop bad habits, but we're not living in reality. Because if you could talk to all the people that interact with that person, you would find that every one of us has some things that are not related to the Spirit of God, but are related to the old self, the old ways. We have some habits that we have carried over from our conversion. When we got saved, you know what? Praise the Lord. When I got saved, I stopped cursing. Praise the Lord, when I got saved, there were some things that I struggled with that instantaneously I did not do anymore. There are some things that I did not do when I was a Christian that when I became a Christian, I had no desire whatsoever to start doing those bad things. But there were some areas in my life that I struggled with. If I could go back in time, I would have put a little more effort into obeying that commandment about honoring your father and your mother. You know, I took my parents for granted. I wasn't, you know, and I realized it one night when I was in college that I had an argument with my mother over something. And I went back to my room and I said, you know what? That was wrong. And the Spirit of God convicted me. And like Paul, I knew that was wrong. I said, my attitude is wrong. And I had to repent. I had to repent of that. I had to start working on that. I was completely blind to that weakness. Here I was going to Bible college, sharing my faith, preaching, doing all of those things. And yet, how could I be so blind to something that was so displeasing to the Lord? And if the truth be known... In every one of us, there are some areas that we are struggling with. And what we need to do as believers is we need to ask the Spirit of God to reveal to us areas of pride, areas of weakness, so that we can deal with those areas and get them out into the open, to put them on the table so we can pray and ask God to give us victory over those areas. We have blind spots. And if you get around some people and you start doing things together and you're different, your personalities are different, you will expose each other's weaknesses. We call that conflict. One person said, well, they're wrong. And the other person said, they're wrong. Paul and Barnabas had a conflict. And they had a disagreement. And you and I are going to have disagreements. And those disagreements can expose areas where we need to grow. That's why it's important to have time alone with the Lord, where we get off, we take a walk, we pray, we read the Word of God, and we ask the Lord to show us. Lord, show us where we're falling short so that we don't become prideful. You know, this is the Apostle Paul writing this. Now, wouldn't it be sad if Paul wrote and told us, he said, Brethren, I'm perfect. I never struggle. I've been walking around for the last three months without sin. 
You know, that church would have looked at that and they would have said, we might as well give up. This is an apostle. This is someone who saw the Lord and he's perfect and we're nowhere near. Or some of them would have tried to be like that. And they would have said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't be perfect. But Paul was brutally honest. And he says, I struggle and I keep on doing things that I wish I would not do. For if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. As a result of having a sin nature, as a result of being separated from God, you and I have the struggle that we do. We're born into a world of sin. We're separated from God. And when we come to Christ, we receive the Spirit of God that allows us to live the Christian life. But in the process of being in this life, there is a learning curve. And we have to learn to deal with the areas that we bring from our past that we struggle with. So I find this law at work, Paul says, that although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. The Holy Spirit living in me sees God's word and agrees. If you're here today and you could care less about the word of God, if you have no desire to obey the word of God, then you probably don't have the spirit of God in you. And none of this applies to you because you are lost and you need to come to Christ and surrender your life to follow and obey Christ. If you're here today and you desire to follow and obey Christ and it is difficult and you're discouraged and you know people who are failing in the Christian life, I've got great news for you. God says that is part of your spiritual growth as a believer, that you are not alone and that the Word of God has something to say to you that Peter, Paul, and the disciples and followers of Christ have walked down the same road where they knew what was right and they wanted to do it and they struggled with it. And there's wisdom and insight in the Word of God to help you and I to grow spiritually and to help other people. Paul says, I see another law at work in me, waging war against this law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Not only do we struggle with sin, but the devil desires to have us in bondage to sin. He wants mistakes to turn into habits. He wants habits to turn into strongholds. And God does not want us to be ruled by strongholds. What a wretched man I am, Paul says. Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? Verse 24 is the start. Verse 24 is coming out of denial. Denial is when you don't know, you don't care. Verse 24 is the first step. It's when you're aware that you need someone other than yourself to change you. That in your own strength, you can pretend to be good, you can Make the outside look pretty good, but if you're truly going to change from within and address all of the areas of sinfulness and pride in your life, that there needs to be the realization that I need someone 
to help me. That I cannot do this in my own strength. If you're talking to someone and they are struggling until they realize that they cannot do it in their own strength, they'll continue to struggle. Turning over new leaves is not going to work. You know, they just keep repeating it, keep repeating it. If they stop doing one thing, they'll start another. There needs to be an intervention. There needs to be help. How do we get help? What is the solution? Well, Paul tells us in verse 25, and then in chapter 8, he devotes the whole chapter to it. But in verse 25, he tells us the solution. Thanks be to God. I've got good news, Paul says, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. God gave you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of you tells you what is right and wrong. You wouldn't have had this struggle. You wouldn't be so miserable if you didn't have the Spirit of God living into you. You'd just be doing all the sin you could and not even worried about it. But as a believer, as someone who has a relationship with Christ, you feel guilty when you disobey this, the Word of God. And when somebody confronts you, you might get angry with them. You might get mad with them. You might push back. But when you have time to think about what you said and what you did, and you thinking about, when you think about what God's Word said, you will come back to that person and says, Brother, sister, I've had time to think about it. I was wrong. And you repent. And things are great. And then you might do it again. And you go through the same. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word of God speaks the truth to us. And as a believer, we begin to desire to do that rather than to do our own will. But as we start to follow Christ, and even as we get older, we find that there is a struggle as to what the Word says and what we do. So we surrender to Christ. Our, the Holy Spirit inside of us tells us what to do, but our sinful nature is a slave to the law of sin. Our flesh, our sin nature, our human weakness fights with us. In the chapter 8 and in the Bible and in the Word of God and in the teachings of Paul, the teachings of Jesus, teaches us how to win this struggle by trusting in God, relying upon the Holy Spirit, knowing what the Word of God says, and following not our flesh, but walking in the Spirit. The first thing that you need to understand is you need to understand that there is spiritual conflict in the Christian life. When you come to Christ all of your problems are not going to be, it's not going to be like you come to Christ and now it's easy. There is a struggle. Paul says, put on the armor of God because there is a spiritual struggle. There is conflict in living the Christian life in this life. Conflict within, conflict without. People that you know who've come to Christ, who've asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, are going to struggle. And if you have experienced some spiritual victories, you're a very important part. God has placed you in their lives to pray for them, to love them. I am thankful for the people in my life that prayed for me, that loved me, that kept encouraging me, that kept telling me what was right and what was wrong, even when it was a greater struggle than it is at this moment. You need those people. 
We were at a conference last summer, and this lady was sharing her testimony, how she wandered from the teachings of Christ and was doing all types of foolishness. And she says, I'm so thankful that there were people in my life that loved me that never stopped telling me the truth. Don't compromise. Don't change what's right and wrong just because someone's not living it. You don't need to be ugly and mean to the person, but you don't need to agree and say that wrong is right. Truth is truth. We need to stick. What does the Word of God say? Because it is a process, and it takes time, and sometimes people have to experience consequences. The prodigal, he was full of himself, and he left, and he went to another land, and he lived a, a sinful life. And when he came to his senses, he returned, and he went back home, and the Father accepted him. There are people, going to be people in your life that make poor choices. And when they come to their senses and they return, God can use you to help them. But their spiritual conflict and the spiritual conflict that you might be having and the spiritual conflict you've had in the past is part of the world that we live in that is out of relationship with God. That's why God's grace and God's redemption is so important. Is We're not just a social club. We are a a place here. We're the light of the world on this. You know, the float coming by yesterday was so beautiful. Hear that that beautiful music. Because some of the music wasn't all that great. Some of it was kind of depressing, you know. It's just it just seemed kind of uh you know spiritual like spiritual darkness. Didn't seem like light, love, hope, and joy. And we heard it, you know, Buddy and I were sitting out there, and we saw, we said, we can, we can recognize them walking. We can tell by their walk. That's, that's crossroads. Here they come. And we listened, you know. And the music was playing, and it sounded good. And we live in a world that is separated from Christ. And we are a source of hope and joy and love in Christ. And we are trying to simply allow the Holy Spirit to change us so that we can follow and obey Christ more perfectly, more maturely, and help others do the same thing so that we can reach them and be an example. Many followers of Christ feel spiritually defeated. It is common. It is common. If I talked to every person today, if I visited with each one of you guys and we just talked and had a conversation, I would pull from that conversation Many things that I needed to pray for. Many opportunities, many situations where I would say I need to pray for that person because discouragement and spiritual defeat is common. And life can be a little like this. And as believers, when the Bible says weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So as we share with other believers, when you are doing great, praise the Lord, you know, Allow your, your energy and your enthusiasm to allow people to lead. The weak, those who are strong need to bear the burden of those who are weak. We need to support each other and encourage each other. Not enable each other. Not call wrong right. But encourage and build up. There are going to be many people who don't care. They don't care about what the Bible says. We don't really have anything. I don't have anything to say to someone that doesn't want to obey the Bible. You know, I've found over the years, don't invest any time in someone that does not. Don't let them waste your time. 
If they don't want to follow and obey Christ, you cannot force them. You know, don't don't settle. Don't settle for getting them to put on a fake smile and pretend like everything's okay. A follower of Christ wants to follow and obey him and they acknowledge that he is Lord. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I repent of the times that I disobey him. That is the normal Christian life. You cannot be victorious if you want to follow and obey your own sinful desires. Give in to them, that's going to happen. We're going to give in to them at times. We're going to make mistakes. But if it is our desire, if it is our plan, if it is our goal to follow and obey our own sinful desires, that is not the Spirit of God. And that person needs to go the way of the prodigal and come to their senses and turn to Christ. And you and I trying to pretend and trying to smooth this over, it's just simply not going to work. Because it's going to break out. It's just going to come out. They're going to live out their desire to do those things. We can be there. We can pray for them. We can encourage them. We can speak the truth and love. But in order for someone to follow Christ and to be victorious, as Paul talks about, there has to be that desire. And that comes from the Spirit of God living inside of a person. Many of us have had a struggle. There were things we wanted to do, and we held on to those things, and then we came to the point where we said, you know what, I'm letting go. I'm letting go. I'm giving that to the Lord. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to receive Christ. I'm going to surrender to Christ. I'm going to follow and obey him. And if it means I have to stop doing this and start doing this, I will do that. That's where we have to be spiritually. When we sin as believers, a couple things happen. When we live in sin, we're going to question our salvation. When we question, we're also going to question God's goodness and power. So if we are struggling with sin and not being overcomers, not growing spiritually, we're going to question our salvation. We're going to question God's goodness and God's power. Peter and the disciples of Christ experienced this struggle before Jesus died on the cross. And that's a key phrase. When Jesus died on the cross, some things took place. Jesus told his followers that without him, they would not be able to live the Christian life in their own strength. Jesus made that clear. If you look at Peter's life, Peter misunderstood who Jesus was. He didn't realize that Jesus came to die on the cross and to be a suffering Savior. And he thought that he could live the Christian life in his own strength. He was not successful, and neither will you and I be. We cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. Paul teaches four truths throughout his uh, writings. Number one, we're crucified with Christ. Number two, we're risen with Christ. Number three, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And four, we live the Christian life by faith, not by sight. Jesus accomplished four things. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. He gave us the Holy Spirit, and he taught us to live by faith. Throughout the gospel, Jesus talks about faith. You have to step out in faith to act upon these three things, that Jesus took your place on the cross, that Jesus rose from the dead, 
in that Jesus ascended to heaven so that the Holy Spirit would live inside of you. Jesus, you know, he was getting ready to leave. The disciples were like, oh no, what are we going to do? Jesus said, no, no, this is good news. In order for me to go to heaven, that means the Holy Spirit will live inside of you. And for, in order for the comforter to come and live inside of you spiritually, I must leave. And that's good news. Because Jesus says, greater things, you will do greater things than I did. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I've never had that happen before. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I tell you, absolutely. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. And I hope you, I hope you take this home and study it. Because it's not in the delivery that will make the difference. It's in you and I grasping this internally. Because those two slides are absolutely life-changing. If we grasp that, you know, it is life-changing. Everything I'm saying is right here in these two slides. Jesus provided for us. He lived for us the life. He lives for us the life he expects of us. He took our place on the cross he rose from the dead. We're risen with Christ. He gave us the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. So you and I simply have to act on those three things. And when you do that and it starts to happen for you, give God glory because you know life can be up and down. And walk in it. Walk in it. Walk by faith. You know, while I say you're not going to be perfect, I didn't say you're not going to be spiritually mature. I didn't say that you're not going to overcome every sin that gives you a problem once you become aware of it. Faith in Christ and those three realities that he took your place on the cross, that he rose from the dead, and he gives you the Holy Spirit makes all of that possible. And the good news is, is when you're walking in victory, you're going to be better positioned to help other people. And the thing is, is there is so many. We need fellowship with each other whether it's making hot chocolate or playing music or cleaning the church. We need to be around one another. Why? Because we all struggle. And you need that person making that hot chocolate next to you or cleaning the church with you or playing that guitar with you to sense in their spirit when you're struggling and pray for you and encourage you. And to be mature enough spiritually to help you and to not be, you know, you know the Spirit of God. Here's how you know the Spirit of God is in control of you. When you stop saying someone needs to do something and you start saying, God, can I do that? God, here I am, send me. When you stop saying someone needs to go to Africa and preach the gospel, someone needs to go to India. Someone needs to do this. Someone needs to do that. See, we don't, God doesn't need us to know all the someones out there that need, needs to do things. He just needs the Holy Spirit to get a hold of us and for us to say, Lord, here I am, send me. What can I do? And if we all do a little bit and if we're all willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done, then people will be encouraged because the whole thing, all of the things, all of the motions that we go through are such that we can live lives to please 
please God, to follow and obey him. And we, we can't do it in our own strength, and we do it much better with other people encouraging us than we do trying to do it alone. In Romans 7, Paul asked the question, how can I live the Christian life? Throughout his writings, he makes the case that Christ is our living hope. He makes this case. Jesus is our hope of eternal life. That when we stand before God, we will live with Christ forever. We will live in God's presence forever because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. When we receive him, we receive his forgiveness. He is the hope of our forgiveness. That every time we sin, he forgives us. Every sin we committed in the past, he's forgiven us. Every sin we'll commit in the future, he forgives us. And he is also our hope of spiritual victory. If you will trust him for one and two, for eternal life and forgiveness, all I'm asking you today is to trust him for that spiritual victory in your life. Trust him to live the Christian life for you. Realize you can't do it in your own strength. Realize that your struggle is just like Paul and everybody else. But begin to trust him. And when he gives you victory over your, temp your temptations, your anger, your whatever it is that's keeping you from fully obeying Christ, when Christ gives you victory over those areas, is to give him thanks and try to help other people who are in a similar struggle. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.